Station podcast, where we bring you true stories of what life in the outback is really like and why many wouldn't live anywhere else. So pull up a stump, pop the billy on, or crack a cold one, as we talk to the men and women who call some of the most remote parts of Australia home. This podcast is brought to you by Pioneer Water Tanks. Every Pioneer tank is made with the exclusive Pioneer V-Lock wall profile, a stronger and stiffer corrugation profile, which not only looks great, it lasts longer. The Pioneer V-Lock wall profile also protects the liner from overstretching, so it lasts longer in the tank. Welcome back to another episode of the Central Station Podcast. My name is Steph Coombs, and in this episode, I sit down with Katie O'Donoghue. Katie works at Mandora Station, which is situated on the 80-mile beach between Port Hedland and Broome in Western Australia. Katie has a very unusual story. I don't want to give too much away, but let's just say she didn't set foot on a cattle station until the year of her 30th birthday, and now she's one of the most handy people I know. But what I really wanted to pick Katie's brains about in this episode is how she stays grounded and manages to appreciate where she is right now, instead of focusing on where she wants to be or thinks that she should be. It's a conversation that comes up time and time again each time I sit down with the station manager. Some people think they can only be in the camp for a few years And then if they aren't on their way to becoming a manager, it's time to go find another career. Well, in this episode, I hope we can show you that working on a station is a legitimate career and not just a gap year. All right, Katie, let's start off with who you are, where you are and what's happening in your life right here, right now, tonight. Well, my name's Katie. I live and work at Mandora Station on the boundary of the Pilbara and the Kimberley. And the Pimberley? The Pimberley or, or, or the, the Kilbra, one yeah. of the two, yep. Um, currently residing in Broome for the next two or three weeks, depending on when the baby is due, which is why we're in town. So, yeah. I want to stick with that for a second before we get into the episode because mm-hmm. I didn't actually know about this thing until – I guess last year maybe when people started having babies that if you're on a cattle station, I don't know, maybe it's just a WA thing, but you get to, you, you get told like you have to come into town a few weeks beforehand yeah. and they make you like you have to. Well, I mean, ultimately it's your decision, but they would prefer that you're in town. Well, for me, they said for three weeks before your due date. It's just if anything happens and you would want to be closer to medical advice than not. So, um, yeah, they – yeah, but that's all right. It's, I suppose, maternity leave in yeah. a sense and get to enjoy yourself. True. And, well, they get bored very quickly. I was going to say, yes. it must have been a pretty – because you've been working throughout your entire pregnancy, doing, like, bore runs and whatever else on the station, yeah, right. everything, and now you're in town, lady of leisure. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Yeah, it's it's been a bit of a shock. Yep, I've been working up until pretty much I left to come into town, so – yeah, anything from uh, yeah, the bull runs that I normally do to a bit of cattle work to, well, just normal, what we would normally do. I haven't had to change much, which has been nice because I was worried about whether or not that would affect, yeah, just what I do out there. And But it hasn't. It's been great. Um, 
and I think I've enjoyed still being active during my pregnancy. I didn't want to be someone that just, I guess, became stagnant and got like yeah stuck I, at the homestead or something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I enjoy being physical, and I actually think that that's helped with my pregnancy. I've had a wonderful pregnancy. I certainly can't complain. Um, and I, but I think that that's helped a lot just being able to stay physical and active. So, yeah, so now being in town and trying to continue with that has been, has been hard. Cause, yeah. You know, Do you still wake up, like, at the crack of dawn? Yeah. Oh, that's just a body <laughs> clock thing, isn't it? It's um, it's weird when you do get up, you know, 7 o'clock or whatever, you're like, oh, half the day's gone. <laughs> now, <laughs> now what do I do? Are you doing any, like, what are you doing in town? you got to live up town life while you've got it, though. Are you, like, getting smoothies or lattes or, like, walking along the beach, you know? What yeah. are you doing in the room? I was told to pamper myself, so I have to admit I have done and gone and been doing, you know, I call the massages, pregnancy massages and, um, yeah, I had my hair cut and... I did go for a facial, which I'm sure was horrendous, all the dirt that came out of it. But, um, yeah, just, oh, just I suppose, anything that you – I mean, I did all that pretty much within the first week, so now I'm sort of sat twiddling my thumbs and trying to read books and I guess there's only so much TV that you can watch. But, you know, yeah, swimming and going down the beach and just – Trying to keep busy yeah. with anything, anything and I everything. I need to give you so. my Netflix password. <laughs> That'll take us some time, <laughs> oh, don't yeah. you worry. No, the problem with Netflix is you sit there and you spend too long actually deciding what to watch I rather know. than watching. So <laughs> I know, and then that becomes a struggle and you're like, why is this so hard? And then you realise what you're struggling over and you're like, oh, my God, I'm such a first world person. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, <laughs> exactly. Okay, so, so you are... Katie, you work at Mandora Station. You're in town at the moment because you're pregnant. Mm-hmm. I want to take this episode to kind of – so we've started here and I want to like rewind the whole way back and work our way back up to this point now and kind of learn your story because I've known you for – I realised, I was thinking about this this morning, it's not even two years because I didn't start my other job until July 2018. So I would have come out in July or August 2018 when I first met you. So we're not even we're not even at our two year anniversary. Feels like a lot longer. Step. I know. <laughs> Feels like I've known you a lifetime. <laughs> yeah. It's just because I stalked you a lot. Um, so I actually don't know half the stuff I'm going to ask in this episode or what I'm going to learn about you. So I'm going to kind of learn about you with everyone else, which I feel like is the number one rule like of not what not to do if you're an interviewer, but, you know, YOLO, we don't do anything by the rules on this podcast. So let's start off with your childhood and where are you from and what was your childhood like? Yeah, so I was actually born over in the UK, um, mum's English, dad's Aussie. So we, um, I grew up there uh, until I was eight. Um, we actually lived in a safari park, which is kind of, weird to say um so dad was the curator of a safari park over there which I suppose is it's just a large zoo basically you see it a lot on the tv you know with the cars that drive around and the monkeys pulling off bits of the windscreen and stuff like that so um yeah so dad was the curator of a safari park um over there so we grew up in a safari park which is pretty cool um and then, yeah, when I was eight, we, mum and dad decided to come out to Australia and I grew up in Adelaide from then on with, which is where dad's from, where dad grew up. What was it like moving, like such a big move when you were so young? Well. Do you think it was easier or harder being that young? Yeah, I think it was 
easier. We didn't, I suppose we didn't really have much of a concept of what was going on, I suppose. I mean, we knew that we were moving, but I don't remember it being a big deal. It was just... Did you talk funny when you got here? <laughs> or have you always sounded like this? Because you sound pretty Aussie, but you're a little bit posh, but not really. Yeah, I, 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 I've been told that after a few, the English comes uh, out. Yeah. Oh, when Frank comes so out. When... <laughs> Katie's alter ego, who I am yet to meet but have heard a hell of a lot about. His <laughs> no. or her name is Frank. No, Frank's, Frank's horrible. We don't like Frank. <laughs> Frank's probably gone away for a few years now. Yes. Thank God for that. <laughs> um, and so when you came to Adelaide, did you, because you lived on like that safari park in the UK, did you just come into town in Adelaide or did you get to live on some acreage out there as well? Yeah, no. We, so we grew up in suburbia. So there was no sort of transition to any you know, like substantial land or anything like that. We just sort of grew up in the suburbs. And you just were just a normal, like, city kid? Like, what was, like, high school like and, you know, what did you want to do after high school? Um, Yeah, that was – that was I had no idea. (laughs) I think I I changed my mind quite a few times trying to figure out what what I was going to do after high school. I wasn't a very good student. What were your wasn't hobbies? There like, a lot. <laughs> were you like a surfer kid or a skater um, kid or were you like horsey and farmy? Or? I liked sport. Sport was my thing. Um, Ooh, which sport? I was a netballer. Ah. I did state netball um, for a fair while. That was that pretty much took up most of my time. Wow, that's pretty impressive. Uh, well, well it, didn't, it didn't do a lot for my body. I, I've had two knee reconstructions. Um, but, yeah, I, I did a bit of horse riding. And that was also, yeah, I mean, it wasn't as easy to do out there because we did live in suburbia, you know, like you, we didn't have a horse. You'd have to go out to, you know, bush and find horse riding schools and stuff like that. So it wasn't really – but netball was my thing, so that took yeah. up all my time anyway. So, um, yeah, um, went to a pretty average high school yeah. with all my friends. And what kind of jobs love. did you have and what – jobs did you have after uni because I, I what I'm trying to get to is that I know it wasn't until like in your mid to late 20s before you headed out to a station so I'm trying to I don't actually have any idea what you did for work before and like <laughs> were you like a city girl sipping lattes on like Ooh. you know the tram commute I don't even know if I have trams in Adelaide probably not <laughs> or were you like I don't know I certainly wouldn't class myself as a city girl but um I've definitely had a few jobs um office jobs it's so weird to think of you in in an office though like for anybody that doesn't know Katie like you're just so you just I I don't know you just suit station life so well well up until I discovered station life that was pretty much all the work that I had done was in offices I went straight from high school to um (laughs) the list is going to be endless here um because I really had no idea what I wanted to do with my life so I went from school to um, what was the first job out of school? I can't even remember. Bank. I worked for a bank in a call centre, ringing up people, telling them that they owed money on their <laughs> credit cards and mortgages, which is horrible. I hated that. Dare say, didn't last very long. Getting told by a seventeen-year-old that your life is a mess. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Pretty much. Um, yeah. From there, I. I I worked for AGL, which is a gas and electric company in Adelaide. Um, I worked for a Giproc company, 
just so is this all like admin sort of stuff yeah yeah mostly okay. just desk work pretty much customer service based I suppose is where you, I, I sort of fell into that out of school and that's kind of where I stayed I suppose because I still had no idea out of school what I wanted to do oh I didn't I lie I have to go back again because I did study out of school to become a personal trainer really yes how did I not know this? <laughs> did you finish uh, I didn't finish, but no. You, did you do enough that you can teach me stuff? <laughs> I did enough to be what they class a gym instructor. So, you know, like supervising people at the gym, but not to be a personal trainer because I guess I mistook enjoying, you know, like having done netball for so long and enjoying being fit and healthy. I mistook that for wanting to do that as a career and obviously realised through study that that wasn't, yeah. you know. But you can still make me fit though, right? <laughs> I'll have to make myself fit I'm like, first. hang on. <laughs> You've got to practice what you preach, right? <laughs> and then how um, did you – how old were you when you first headed – kind of take me through, I guess, a couple of years or months before you went out to a station and then how that all kind of came about? And yeah, so I was um, working for the Duprot company back in Adelaide in customer service and that was probably the longest standing job I'd, I'd had about five years I think I was there in total wow. and I just I wasn't um I just wasn't getting enough from life you know I knew I needed to make a change I didn't know what um so I kind of had to take a bit of a leap um and just I had to just pack it all in and do something different I, I knew I enjoyed travel because I had been back to the UK for a few times um to see family um so I knew that I enjoyed traveling around overseas but I realized that I hadn't seen much of Australia so the plan was to yeah I packed everything and I quit my job I I only was just renting then so I just sold all my belongings and actually bought a van <laughs> as the backpackers do um and um threw my dog in there and just decided I gave myself a date to leave by and I was just going to go off and start exploring the country a bit more that's so, crazy how old were you at the time um good question that wasn't all that long ago I don't feel like I think I was maybe 27 26 wow. 27 maybe yeah yeah about that yeah, so that's a huge thing to do at that point in your life as well because I feel like that's when you're starting to get to the pointy end where everyone's like getting married yes. and in a few years they'll all be popping out kids and you're like, yeah. YOLO, I'm going to go backpacker. Like, felt like every weekend I was going to another friend's wedding or someone was getting engaged, which was fine. I was absolutely happy and stoked for anyone you know, going through that at that stage in their lives. But I just, yeah, like I said, there was just something missing for me and I just needed a bit more where did you head off to well west was the the first point of call my best friend had not long moved across to Perth so you know I was just sort of going to explore on my way over to her and then um which I did and I stayed with her for a little bit her and her husband much to her husband's dismay (laughs) I think I ended up staying for like good four months it was only meant to be like a you know a stop through but um I ended up staying with him for probably a bit longer. I think she enjoyed that. I think he was kind of like looking at the clock like, when is she going to leave? <laughs> but we do joke about that a lot now. Um, and I was doing some temp work actually at his office 
it was a girl who worked there who got me onto um, probably so my first ag-based job, which was working for CBH. Oh, really? On one of their wheat bins. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just like for a harvest season? Yeah, yeah. Cool. So just unloading the trucks full of wheat. Um, which, I always wanted to do that. Yeah, well, um, it's, again, it. it's not something I'd ever heard of, you know, being back in Adelaide or well, just at any stage. I'd, uh, it's, it was totally new to me. And, of course, I found myself temping at my friend's husband's office. So it was kind of like I'd come across and it was just temp work and, you know, I was still living in my van, so I knew it wasn't f- for definite that yeah. I was going to be continuing that work but it was kind of like I'd come across and was doing the same thing again so to have another door open up to something totally new and I, I, I I've always liked to be hands-on I guess I just it just never occurred to me yeah to do I don't know ag, ag work's not really something especially where I went to school where it was given to you as an option you know, like to become a farmer or, you yeah. know, it just wasn't mm-hmm. wasn't there. Um, yeah, so I went up to little old Wotheroo, which is a few hours north of Perth, and um, worked on the wheat bin there unloading trucks and I had a great time. I really enjoyed it. I met some wicked people there, some lovely farmers. Um, yeah, no, it was just, it was just, it felt easy and not because it was easy work, it wasn't necessarily difficult work, but it just felt easy because just, just feel like it fit. Yeah, that's like exactly something just fit it into did. place, clicked into place. It did just fit. Yeah, yeah, I love that feeling. Yeah, and that was the first time I'd had that, I think, ever when it came to work. So, I mean, granted, I think I was the oldest person there <laughs> by <laughs> by oh, I don't know, maybe. Not quite 10 years, but there was definitely a few years in it. I think my boss was quite a few years younger than me, which we always joked about. But, um, yeah, so once the harvest was finished, I, again, was sort of left wondering what I should do from there. And it was actually a local at, um, in Wotheroo. So I I'd actually just started working at the pub after the harvest finished in Wotheroo just to pass some time until I figured out my next move. And that was the question that was put to me one day by one of the locals is, you know, what are you going to do next? And I sort of shrugged my shoulders and had no idea. And and um, she suggested, she said, you know, oh, well, if you've enjoyed this um, and you want to kind of stay within the, the ag area, why don't you try your luck up north on a cattle station? And why not? You know, it's, I've just taken the leap of faith with this I had no idea I would enjoy so much I guess the same could happen if, with that if being at Watharoo was like the first time you felt that connection to something going like it fit was it really hard to pull yourself out of that environment then because like did you was it hard to step away from it if it was just felt so comfortable and yeah it was a little bit because um, I had been given the opportunity to drive you know, like some big machinery, some tractors and do some deep ripping after the harvest had finished while I was still working at the pub, you know, like, so I was kind of, there were, I suppose you could say there was, you know, like little doors opening for me in that sort of farming aspect. I think it was the um, the idea of being able to work with livestock um, or, you know, the animal aspect of things that led my curiosity to go, ooh, yeah, 
And, and it's funny because I, rem- I do remember years, years prior looking at a holiday where you could go up, I think it was somewhere near Alice Springs or NT-based where you could, you could pay to go on holiday <laughs> mustering, um, you know, on horseback and do that kind of thing. And I remember thinking to myself, oh, wow, that'd be pretty cool. It never occurred to me to actually try and do it as a job or a and career get, get <laughs> and get paid for it, for it in return. <laughs> Um, yeah. So, so you had an idea of what, so when somebody was like, you should go work on a cattle station, you'd heard of a cattle station before you kind of had an idea of what it was. I had no idea of what the job actually would be. Um, I suppose you do get an image in your head, don't you, of what you think is or Tess McLeod or Claire McLeod? No, I've never watched, never really? watched McLeod's Daughters, no. But it was based in South Australia. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> okay. No, I had never watched the show. Um, okay, so you had some ideas, but not the super romantic ones? No, no, definitely not. Um, and I mean, when... Uh, well, the woman who had asked me about working up there had a had a connection, and oh. she had said, "You know, I'll give them a ring and see if they're looking for anyone." And I think she came back to me the next day and said they actually need a station hand just to help out around the homestead, um, if you want to give it a go. And then that was pretty much how it all kicked off. I think okay. I was there like the next week, sort so of thing. So was that Willow? That was Willow Downs, yes. With the mills. With the mills. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Tell me about moving to Willow. So where it, like, can you explain to our audience, like, where it is, what kind of station it is? So it's, it's a little bit different to what some people might think of. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Or so just a it's, location. And... So it's, um, again, it's on that boundary of the Kimberley Pilbara. I'm, can't remember which side it's on. I think it's, it's on the, it's it? the, no, it's Kimberley. Because then Pardu okay. is next door and Pardu is Pilbara. Right. That's so it's on that fine line, yes. yeah. Um, it's, I suppose, well, I, I call it a coastal station because it obviously sits on 80 mile beach there. Um, so you have all those beautiful coastal plains. Which I, I just don't think many people, like when I think of cattle stations, even however many years I've been doing this, I'm like, yeah, it's just out in the middle of the bush somewhere, like completely <laughs> landlocked, but one whole side of Willow is like is the beach. ocean. Yeah, which spun me out. And coastal plains, yeah, which is a completely different type of country. Mm, yeah. Certainly wasn't what I was expecting going up to a cattle station because, as you say, you just expect it to be in the middle of nowhere, just you know, like landlocked dust, and, yeah, yeah, <laughs> dust bunnies rolling past kind of thing. Um, so, and I mean, I I love the ocean, so for me, I was like, ding, 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 <laughs> hit the jackpot here. Um, yeah, so it was literally like a week later. I'm pretty sure I rolled in there. In my van, I'm sure the Mills must have looked at me and been like, oh, my God, what have we got ourselves? <laughs> we thought we got in an co- Aussie. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. In my van, big red, bless her soul. Um, yeah. And what kind of things did you do in that first job? Well, um, it was a lot of helping out around the homestead. Um, I also did a fair few bull runs, um, and that, especially later on, that that was sort of my role. Um, as the Borman had left. Um, so was that – can you just take us through, for people that maybe aren't as familiar, the Boron, like what are the things – so you're checking the waters, maybe checking the tank levels, cleaning the troughs, but are you actually doing stuff with the motors? Look, had my mechanical knowledge of motors been better, I'm sure I, <laughs> I'm sure I would have. But um, 
I look, I, we were pretty lucky, I suppose, that, you know, everything worked beautifully there. So there weren't a lot of dramas in that respect. It was a lot of um, starting generators, you know, where solars weren't keeping up. And that was a whole new ball game for me because I, I never, never had done any kind of work with that. So I suppose something that was very simple, um, you know, to the mills to say, can you go start this generator or you know like a solar setup or it, it for me it was just like reading Japanese a bit you know I I yeah I didn't have a clue did you ever get like anxious about it though or were you just like all right I'm gonna figure this out because I would be like and I have been like oh my god and I can't go down the rabbit hole because um, I feel like you're I a bit th- more level-headed I think I probably would have except for the fact that you know like Jeff and Linda knew my background they knew that I was a clean slate and you know they could they could teach me um from scratch so they I I think you know they it was great because they knew where I was at um so I didn't I didn't really ever feel stupid asking them questions you know they they knew they knew and I I suppose they didn't ask too much of me to start with either knowing that my knowledge was pretty limited with that sort of stuff. So um, I was very grateful to them because they gave me the, that step in the door when it came to the whole station experience um, and station life where I am today. And they never made me feel bad about not knowing what I didn't know and just taught me what I didn't know, you know, what I had to know. Um, and were kind yeah. when doing so. Absolutely. Like that whole family is pretty special. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, no, they were great. We're not biased or anything, but we kind of like them. (laughs) We do this a little bit, yeah. Ariad is for when you measure your day by acres, not hours. Find exactly what you need to go the distance at ariad.com.au and experience the Ariad difference today. How long did you end up staying at Willow for? I was only there for a year, unfortunately. Um, The plan was to sort of move out from that station, um, well, was to do more cattle work the following year because it wasn't something I had been lucky enough to help out um, a handful of times when the crew was over um, mustering in the yards and, and that's where I realised that, wow, that's, you know, <laughs> I really love working with the livestock. So I was enjoying what I was doing anyway and then it kind of just got ramped up a whole other level just when you think it can't get any better sort of thing. Um, but, yeah, we were only there for the year and then moved down south with Dave. That's right. <laughs> Sorry. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Let me get this right. I love it because we try and put some, like, messages into these episodes to be like okay you might meet someone on a cattle station but that is not a reason to come up to a cattle station because take it from the rest of the population there's a good chance that you won't but somehow you just came up in your like midlife crisis you know found your dream job in a beautiful location and found the future baby daddy um tell me about Davo. i want to know everything the first time you saw him i know jacinta's told me a little bit about how she like takes a lot of credit for matchmaking you guys but tell us the truth <laughs> um yeah so i met dave actually i think it was within the first week of being at Wallau because i'm pretty sure i rocked up at easter so um we didn't 
go straight into work. I'm pretty sure we had a couple of days, which was great because, you know, I get to got to sort of find my bearings a bit with just being there in general and got to go down the beach and exploring for a couple of days before we sort of kicked into the way of station life. Um, and I'm pretty sure he and Stixie uh, were coming through, picking up a boat because I had the weekend off as well and they were going up to Portsmouth up the road to do some fishing and drinking, whatever it is those boys do. Um, yeah, so I do remember meeting him very briefly just within the first few days of being there. Um, both those boys with their mullets and their, you know, short footy shorts <laughs> with beers in hand and ripped work shirts and whatever. And, um, was, yeah. Did Davo work at Well Owl or was he at Warragong? So at Warragong. Okay. And yeah. so for anyone listening, that was the Mills' other station, which was a couple hours away. But would he come and help out at well, like how did you get to see him after that? Then? Well, so the crew it was the same crew, crew. they used, the crew from Warragong to come over and muster Willow. Uh yeah, so I think after that it, there was a it was a couple of months before they came back. So um So you just didn't even think of anything of it, just Well, I look I, I remember meeting him thinking, Oh, yeah. Oh he's all right. Okay. <laughs> but I didn't again, I was still getting my head around how the whole station thing worked. So I didn't realise when Jeff and Linda said he was part of the crew that, you know, they would be coming back and working. You know, I was still pretty blase about everything at that stage. Um, but yeah, it was however long later when they all rocked back up ready to do their thing that got to know them a bit better and we were kind of always the last ones up drinking beer and just talking crap together. And, <laughs> like, um, don't skip on the details, Katie. There are a lot of people like me listening to this that have need to live their life through someone else, so give us some details. Oh, God. Sorry um, to all the, like, middle-aged men that are listening to this. <laughs> all the very happily coupled up people. I'm like, I want a story. Uh, Who made the first move? Um, yeah, well, we, we both. And did Jacinta play a role in this? <laughs> oh, look, Sinner's always been pretty good at, you know, like being, you know, in your ear going, oh, I think he likes you. And then I'm sure he was saying this, saying the same thing to Dave and, and whatnot. But, um, I think we both, it, it was, we were both shy. I, I think I, I could tell that he liked me and, and, vice versa well so we find out now anyway um (laughs) but um it was just more of a wanting to make the move but just being too shy so who did who made the move um, david's probably gonna kill me when he listens to this yeah me too so (laughs) i i think we'd gone down the beach one night um and i think it was just Oh, yeah. It's okay. I don't know. I'll we were, let you off. We were sitting on the back of the ute, up, looking up at the stars, you know, that kind of corny thing. And then I think we just both turned to each other and, yeah, it was on. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Dave. Oh, Dave. Dave, Dave. I do remember he was wearing his beanie and dressing gown. So, like, how do <laughs> you, you resist say that? Dressing gown? <laughs> yeah. He would very often roll around in his dressing gown. Do you remember that? He hasn't done that. In I guess it must get a little chilly in the dry season on the coast. <laughs> yes, yeah, it does. Yeah, okay. for sure. Oh, yeah, no. Okay. And how long into that year was that? Like, um, like halfway or towards the end? And that would have been like halfway. It was before. It was just before Marble Bar. So yeah, maybe like yeah. June. Oh, please! If you came up at Easter in oh, April, that's go. like so, literally like two months later. It feels like a lot longer than that. 
Time swayed by time, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so you meet the great love of your life, like two months after rocking up to a cattle station in the middle of your <laughs> midlife crisis, you know, whatever, no big deal. Um, it's not like there haven't been thousands of women trying to pull that shit off for years. Anyway, not holding it against you. Not talking about myself, of course, please. <laughs> I am the nun in our group. Um, but then by the end of the year, you guys decided to go down, to leave the station together. Yeah, so um, we had a bit of a family loss um, and decided to go down, um, yeah, just to be with Dave's family and, um, yeah, we sort of kicked things off anew down there, which was interesting again because I really wasn't sure where we would be in terms of work or, um, you know, and I was, I suppose, a little bit worried about, falling back into old habits of, you know, just doing a job for the sake of a job but didn't want to go back to Oh, I thought you meant like Frank work. would come out. No, <laughs> damn Frank. <laughs> Did you ever wonder, like, because you guys left the station together, that mm-hmm. maybe it was like the magic of the station that made the romance and you're like, oh, God, we're going to go back down south where it's cold and, like, there's no red dirt and what if I don't like him as much? No, I, is that I just something that I crosses my mind? <laughs> I can't say that that <laughs> did cross my mind at all. It was pretty. It was just sort of. It was more. Uh, uh, we kind of went with the intention that we would be back again. You know, it wasn't like a forever move. Yeah, yeah. What did you? Something we had to do at what, that stage. So, what did you do down there? So then I actually was able to stay within the ag industry and with cattle, but it was dairy farming. So, which was great. Um, I really enjoyed that and it was good to, I suppose, get another aspect of, you know, ag life. And Was it strange being so close to cows after on the station when you couldn't really go off and pat them and stuff? <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. Um, yeah, dairy cattle are a whole another kettle of fish really, aren't they? Yeah. <laughs> you, you even have the Ket- ones that come up for a pat and stuff. Kettle of cows. Kettle yeah. of cows, if that's a thing, yeah. Um but it was I, I learned a lot about you know, I know it's a different um you know, different breed of cattle and it's just it's different in general, but um I still learned a lot. I actually was able to go from the milking side of dairy to calf rearing. So I learned heaps about raising raising little little bubbers. And yeah, I, I enjoy that I wouldn't have sort of during it was a fairly large dairy farm, so um, I think, you know, at peak calving I would have almost 800 calves to look no. after. So it was a pretty busy day, but it was... That's insane. It was good. It was organised. Um, it wasn't anything that you couldn't handle by yourself, otherwise they they would have more than one, yeah. one calf rear. But, yeah, no, I learnt a lot. Um, How do you pick a favourite when there's 800? <laughs> yeah. Obviously you yeah, have a favourite. With difficulty. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, you probably remember the ones that are more painful than you do the good the good ones. But, yeah. Um, yeah, no, that was great. I really enjoyed that. And, uh, again, I worked uh, – I've been lucky that I, I ended up working for a really lovely family down there. So they were great. And how long did you guys stay down south for? So it was about a year again. Okay. Um, we were down there for – and um then what happened next so then... i'm trying to piece together the timeline in my head and i realized that i don't think it's matching up with what i thought it was oh okay well from there um the opportunity came to work at mandora 
Um, we had some friends who, uh, and well, old workmates, I should say, who um, Dave had worked with at Warragain, who were starting out at Mandora um, for the new owners there. And um, yeah, there was positions going that we were super excited to hear about and um you know they said come on up so at that stage we were ready ready to to do that to to come back up north again and yeah and then so began the little dream team the awesome foursome (laughs) Davo, katie kate and ben like literally (laughs) the little awesome foursome and i suppose it's a little bit different at mandora to other so mandora's a smaller block, yep. um, 300,000 acres-ish somewhere. Yeah, just under. Yep. Yeah, but so instead of having like a massive crew, you, they kind of have the four of you all year round and yep. then bring on extras during mustering. Yep. So it's actually really cool that it's just like two couples that are like best mates, like BFFs <laughs> just living together. It's kind of like the dream. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. It pretty I, much is, I'm not going to lie. It's wonderful. We love it, yeah. <laughs> so what was it – so you – You'd been on Malau, you'd learned a little bit of like boar running and all that kind of stuff, mm-hmm. a little bit of cattle work, went down south, did a bit more of that. When you came back up to Mandora, like you weren't in a domestic role and you, it's not like it was a bigger place where you, you could get away with not doing stuff and, you know, being in a domestic role, like there was only so, like those four of you and you had to be out there doing stuff and now you're like, you're one of the handiest people I know, <laughs> which is really annoying because you're also really pretty. <laughs> um <laughs> I'm not editing in that out. Um, how did you – how was that trying to get back into that and then you're taking on so much more responsibility and stepping up a bunch, really? I guess I started it with a clean slate. I mean, I'd learned what I had from um, being at Wallau, but for me it was – it felt like a clean slate because I think, you know, I knew I was going to be doing the cattle work as well, which was – regardless of having done dairy farm work I knew it was going to be totally different and um you know a boar run on any station is is different um different setups I suppose what you need to know making sure that if there's an issue that you can actually fix it um I didn't really want to be one of those people that would just sort of come back and be like oh something's broken (laughs) (laughs) someone go fix it um and it, it 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 had taken me a while um I mean look you learn all the time anyway but it it took me a while to be able to confidently go out and if there was an issue go okay well I know how to fix this um and be able to either fix it on the spot or go back get what you need to fix it um so I thank the boys for that because they were very patient with me (laughs) um but yeah I, I you know I just feel like you're a total boss out there, though. Like, you just you can go and fix stuff. You know your way around. You don't get lost. Like, whatever they throw at you, you just do. Which <laughs> hasn't always like, been like that, though. <laughs> I know, but for somebody who, A, like, came from no ag background and then, B, started so late in life in it, and even by the time you got to Mandora, like, you've still not been doing this for that what what are we in now? Like, is it six years, five, six years? What, at Mandora? Oh, no, like just ag and well, ag in maybe seven? four? No, four or five. I'm trying to match up these timelines. Yeah, if you're so 20... now I've got to think about this as well. I've got my – I've obviously got 
the yes got it wrong dodgy is going on here. that's okay but <laughs> basically Frank's killed too many brain cells yeah. along the way i can't remember when baby I did brain what. oh yeah i'll forgive yeah. you that but basically it's you know around let's say Three, around five four, years five six yeah maybe five or six years yeah yeah but you're so freaking handy like you may as well have grown up on a station so mm. I thought that Katie's like, uh-uh, and I'm like, buddy, put us in a competition together. I know who's going to win. Um, and you've been super involved in stuff like when Mandora hosted the um, KPCA Livestock Handling Cup, like you've entered that, you helped run it. So like, you know, you're not just like some little backpacker add-on, like you hold your own, like you are actually a real part of the team, like you're not like a visitor. Well, well, that's what I'm trying I to want say. to be a contributing Which, part of the team. I don't want to just be. A... I'm sure your employers are listening, which is ironic because your employer is Jane, who is the other half of this podcast and this yeah. website. And she'd be like, "Well, I hope I'm paying Katie yeah. to do something." They may rethink my pay. I after think this, but... I'm just not. I'm not articulating myself very well. But what I'm trying to say, in summary, is that you're a total boss, and it's super impressive how you can do so much after such a short period of time, and how you've just acclimatized and hit the ground running and just yeah adapted and you just one of them now i just feel like (laughs) it doesn't work that way for the for others of like others others yeah well i guess well uh, look i i want to be here so you know you you do when you enjoy something you, you work hard at it and make it work and yeah a I love where my life is now, you know, it's, I wouldn't have it any other way, so. Ariat Shock Shield. Feel no fatigue, fear no impact. Ariat Shock Shield technology provides shock absorption and all-day comfort. An added layer of shock-reducing material in the heel diffuses the impact that occurs during heel strike. To try a pair, head over to ariat.com.au today. I love where my life is now, you know, it's, I wouldn't have it any other way, so. And so that's something that I want to talk about now is when, so every time I do an episode with someone, like there's usually a bit of an angle and there's a bit of a story or something I want to talk to them about. And when I was thinking about this episode with you, which again, may or may not have forced you into. Um, <laughs> Definitely did. Yes. I don't actually know <laughs> if I go back through all the episodes, if anybody's actually like willingly come onto the podcast yet. <laughs> it's actually quite an aggressive podcast. <laughs> I'm like, you will come to my house. We expect nothing I will build a cubby fort. You will sit <laughs> in this wet season weather. I can feel the humidity in here. Yeah. Um, I'm going to labour at any stage, but that's fine. <laughs> I know. Well, you're welcome. You're welcome. Um, I think so something that comes up a lot. So in my, in one of my jobs, I spend a lot of time talking and working with station managers. And even though I'm there to talk about something else, usually employment always comes up and it's actually come up a fair bit this year. And we're only in March about how it's hard, you know, it's the same old, same old, you know, it's hard to get staff. It's hard to get good staff. It's hard to get staff to stay. And that it's so different from, you know, and I'm using the the air quotes, the old days. And there's definitely been a dynamic shift, which you may not be aware of because you've not been around that long and you came into it quite late. But back in the old days, um, you know, you'd have your camp and then it'd be quite a few years before you became like, you know, you need a couple of years under your belt before you came leading hand and then a couple more before you became head stockman. And quite often, like, a head stockman was in their late 20s, early 30s and would do that job in their 30s and have a wife and kids and still be head stockman. Whereas now, 
you know, I've met a few people that are like in their second year and they're like, yeah, I'm a head stockman or I'm leading hand. And you're like, oh, honey, <laughs> like maybe in this fantasy, in this world. But anyway, that sounded really judgy. But I'm sure a lot of people understand what I'm trying to say. Like, And so um, a lot of people I've come, not everyone, like I'm not having a, makes me sound really catty, but some feedback I'm getting from station managers is that um, people are always wanting, and I guess it kind of ties into this broader social media age that people always want more, want more, um, want it now, like want that immediate gratification. They want to climb the career ladder. Like if they're not headstockmen by 24, like what are they doing with their lives? And, and you know, if they're not going to be headstockmen by 24, well, they want to be like Insta famous for their like, you know, like I'm not saying that's for everyone, but it's, I think everyone listening to this, we all know someone who either wants to be Insta famous on a station or, um, you know, he's just, you know, thinking like, you know, you need to be the boss by 25. Whereas what I love about you and Davo is that we, Katie is a bit of a um, cradle snatcher. You're in your, <laughs> you're in your early thirties and Davo is in his late twenties. There's a good six year difference there anyway, but you're, you've been working at Mandora for, I don't know how many years now. This will be the 17, 18, 19, 20, fourth year. Fourth year, yeah. Fourth year. And like, there's never been this, okay, we've done two years at this station. We better move on to the next one. We need to go do this. We need to go do that. Like, you just love your life and you love your work. And I feel like you're the employees that so many people are looking for because you're like, hey, I'm here to do, the, like, at this point in my life right now, I'm here to do this job and I'm not just here to get some runs on the board and move on to the next best thing. You know, grass is green on the other side. Like, you guys are actually so committed to it. And I know, and it's just evolved so beautifully that this year you have the opportunity to manage Mandora while Ben and Caitlin are off managing another place. So, but it's not like you were like, oh my God, like, you know, why haven't we done it by now? And blah, 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 blah. Like, it's just kind of evolved naturally. And I don't know, it's just, there's just this like patience that both of you guys have. And you're putting in like the time and the effort and you're not in a rush. Like, you know where you want to go, but you, it's like you have the confidence that you'll get there and there's no rush. And that's what I love about you guys. And also that neither of you are like also trying to be Insta famous. <laughs> Not having a go, like we can please, we can all have social media accounts. It's fine. But I just feel like there's a lot of people that feel like they have to keep up this appearance. Don't you love what I get on these strands? Um, <laughs> have to keep up this appearance on social media about, you know, their cattle station life. And it's, it's got to be this big wild adventure or whatever. Or, you know, they're only up here for that year or, you know, or they're just – getting ready to be the boss whereas I don't know I feel like you guys are just so like more old school and normal and like it's almost like you guys are from the 90s like like working in the 90s like without the whole social media got to be more 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 now like you know earning Mm. yeah so I just wanted like I just want to before this year where you guys you know are now managing Mandora what was it like you know you're in your late 20s early 30s and you're just a station hand and you're okay with that because I just feel like there's so many people that are like, oh, my God, if I was still a station hand at, like, you know, 24, like, there's something wrong, I should be head stockman by then, where it's, no, like, it's okay. Like, it is a legitimate job. It's a professional job and it's a beautiful life. Like, mm. Well, I mean, I, I just don't know your secrets. <laughs> uh, well, I, I, rem- I had my here go for another timeline that may throw it all out of whack, but I, rem- I had my 30th at Willow. Um so I remember, I, I, I suppose, I, I, you know, people say when you, you know, turn that decade older or, you know, you go into the next decade that, you know, like you really assess what you're doing with your life and, you know, are you where you want to be in your 30s? And I just remember thinking how much I was enjoying my life 
so much more now than I had in my 20s. But I, uh, I don't know, it's hard, I guess. You weren't where society I, said you should be. No, but, but you I were was all right. pretty bloody happy. I was all right with that, yeah. Um, I don't, I suppose... I suppose I back in Adelaide I conformed without realising it and not to be a rebel and, you know, like, oh, I don't want to conform to anything. But um, it's, it's, like, it's hard to say because it's just – You don't – I want to say, like, you become, like, enlightened, but it sounds – you know, it sounds wanky when you say it like that, but I think, like, you know what I mean? Like, it's like just at one point in time you're just going through the motions, just do it, and then all of a sudden, like, you have this, like, sense of clarity maybe or, like, a Absolutely. like enlightenment, and then you're, yeah. like, just feel more present, I suppose. And Yeah. Yeah, I just – I don't know. I, it's – I've been told a, many a time since telling people that, you know, I'd come from Adelaide and I'd, you know, just – packed up my life sort of and, and moved across the country that uh, people had asked me a lot what I was running away from <laughs> as if there was an issue. Ex-husband and had four it, children. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't like that at all. I just, I just, oh, I just knew that there was more. There was more. There had to be more. <laughs> I'd be pretty disappointed if I did all that and there wasn't something more. So I don't know, I guess to be able to find a job that I enjoyed way more than I had any other job, um, regardless of my age, um, regardless of my pay, regardless of where I sat within those roles, just to be happy was enough for me. That's something that I'd never found in a job before. So it didn't bother me that, yeah, I wasn't. See, this is what I want to pick apart because that's what I feel like so many people struggle with. Like, because you may find a job that you like, but you're like, well, I'm getting, you know, I'm 25 now. I can't still be chasing cows or I'm 30 and I need to be making this amount of money and I don't have a house deposit yet or I haven't bought a house or God forbid I'm not up to my neck in debt. Like I am not doing what society says I should be doing. Whereas you're like, YOLO, I'm in my early 30s. I'm working on a station. (laughs) We live in this, like, you know, on the station and you're just like Well, it's like I said to you before, you know, I think when I worked on the CBH bin, I was the oldest there by far and I'm still the oldest you know, <laughs> you are Mandora now, and it doesn't bother me. <laughs> it really doesn't bother me. By like three years or something, you know, four years, like calm down. Well, no one else is even in their thirties on Mandora yet. Yeah, so. <laughs> yeah. six more months. But it's not. I mean, look, it's age is but a number, isn't it? I, yeah. I, I, yeah. It's actually for, like I just I know it may not make as much sense for people listening, but. Really, they are living their dreams. So there's Dave, o, Katie, Ben, and Caitlin, awesome, foursome, all best friends, all like late twenties, early thirties, just like hanging out on a cattle station together on the beach. We like do work though. Oh yeah, right? yeah, they work. They do stuff. Like yeah. they do, they do stuff. Um, except for Benno, unless he's listening to this. Then Benno does. <laughs> Benno's Benno's probably going to be driving in the car when he's listening to this. He's definitely going to have a phone just, call after this. Yeah, um, no, Benno is. You're very... never getting a podcast out of him now. <laughs> just Benno's episode is going to be great. He can redeem himself and tell us about all the stuff that he does too. No, that was just a that was just a joke. Benno is insane. Um, he grew up on a station and just 
is there anything he can't do, including fix my town car, which is great. Like, <laughs> which I'm sure he'll never do for you again now. <laughs> no, I'm saying how great that. he is. I know he's amazing. <laughs> oh, God. It's funny because I have the power to edit this out, but I'm not going to. Oh, really? Yeah, no. Well, you're brave. <laughs> yeah. Authentic. Anyway, I was in the middle of saying how amazing all these four people are and how amazing their life is and they just – And then insult Ben. Yep. Yeah. No, that was just a joke. Ben, don't hate me. I'm like low-key afraid of Ben. So I'm like, oh, God, I don't want to upset him. Anyway, um, you've got all your dogs. There's chickens. Now there's little baby goats, um, horses, like, and you can go to the beach. And it's just like this wonderful – yeah, everyone's, yeah. So, I mean, conspiracy theory or not, but Caitlin and Kate are having their first children a month apart. Um, <laughs> listen, I'm not saying that there's something shady going on here, but. Something in the water. Yeah, be careful, <laughs> anybody driving through 80 Mile Beach. Um, I'm just thinking of Mrs. Boss next door, like Mrs. Boss, stop drinking the water. <laughs> anyway. Okay, so we'll, we'll move on. Um, but yeah, I want to get back. We digressed a bit. I want to get back to this, just being okay with where you are and not being in a rush. Like you're working towards something. You, you have goals and aspirations, but it's not all this like now, now, now. And it's like you don't take on all of society's pressure to be like, excuse me, like you're in your thirties and you're not married and you don't own a home and you're not a like millionaire. And why haven't you got like a mortgage and blah, 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 blah. Mm. And it's like that doesn't even – it's like you've got this little impenetrable – you've got this little force field. <laughs> I'm doing nothing for my own social standing in this podcast. Um, like, and, you know, the, the little societal messages, like, would be – and it's not like they're always coming right at you, but they just filter through, you know, every magazine, every TV show, whatever. And it's just like they just bounce off you and you're just not phased by them. You're like, dude, I'm living – you're actually living your best life. And I just see – and I have so many conversations with other people – in our industry and outside of our industry that aren't there yet and even to an extent I'm not. So I'm just like, how do you – just tell us your secrets, Katie. Oh, God, <laughs> I I look at – everyone has goals, uh, you know. I, we have goals. You know, we, we know where we want to be one day, but I guess – I don't know. <laughs> I can't give you any secrets, Steph, because it is not a secret. It's just that it is some kind of secret, but we, that's okay. We love our life. We're grateful for what we have, and we're happy to work towards what we want. And I suppose we don't expect them to happen, you know, like that. Um, I think what's my- not to love, you know? Like we we seriously have amazing jobs, amazing people. We work for amazing people. We're in a beautiful spot in the world. Um, Do you think it's different because it's a small station and there's the four of you and your permanent employees? If you guys could be, say, if you were on a place that maybe ran a bigger crew but you could maybe, still have permanent roles. Maybe that's think? the difference is that where we've ended up working has been the difference yeah. for us. I, I, I'm just wondering if somebody was offered like a permanent role in the stock camp. But I think also having a partner is a big difference as well, like, and that you have yeah, your own possibly. little house and live together. Like, yeah, absolutely. Uh, Maybe all these things is why it's different for us. I like you've got your own home there. Where sometimes I feel like people are like, well, why doesn't anyone stay? And I'm like, well, nobody wants to spend ten years living on their own in a in a quarter in a donger's quarter. Like, yeah. eventually, you've got to have your own quarters. Like, with your own people want a living room. They want to hang up a picture. Like, they want to. If you have a partner, like, you don't want to be like sharing mm. a double donger. Like, yeah, who knows? Maybe if we were there as, as singles, it would be totally different. Um, yeah. 
I can't tell you that one way or the other. I'm sorry, Steph. Oh, <laughs> not giving so you disappointed. Um, well, hopefully, pe- I'm sure people will just pick up the fact that it that it is possible. Yeah. yeah, I'm not saying that this is obviously an issue that everyone has, but I've just I've come across it, and yeah, yeah, maybe yeah, it just works for us. We're happy, and oh. I'm sorry. Stop <laughs> rubbing just, yeah. it in my face. Okay. Well, that kind yeah. of brings us up to the next part, and you kind yeah. of just touched on it then. But yeah. I wanted to ask you about, like, yeah, just your attitude towards life, and like, who in your life influences you, and where you take your guidance, and who inspires you? Because you're not out there going, "Oh my God, Beyonce!" Like, <laughs> love her. Um, who are the people that you look up to besides me? Well, of course, Steph, you are top of and the ben, list. And Ben, we all look up to Ben. <laughs> God, I'm just um, digging a hole. Wow, that's a really good question. You needed to have given me that one days ago so I could think about it. Um, <laughs> Pressure's on with I baby guess, brain. Yeah, definitely with baby brain. Um, I guess, look, my 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 family and, you know, my mum, my family are – huge influences on my life you know I'm very close with my sisters my mum um it's I don't know I guess mum's always um been about the strong women um she's gonna she's gonna start crying when she listens to this probably yeah She's always, she's always been a huge support for anything that I've done in my life. Um, you know, when I've jumped from job to job or, you know, when I was doing netball and training three times a week and didn't have a license, you know, like mum was always the first one. She was always there, always encouraged me to do whatever it is I wanted. There was no, I mean, she, she, she pushed me to be better at whatever it is I chose to do. There was no push in a direction from her from the get-go, you know, to do any one thing. It was always do what you want, do it well. Um, and maybe that's why I, I don't have a problem in working hard for something that I know. Yeah, no, I think I know where you're going with that. Like, <laughs> yeah. And no, I think like a... your mum is going to love that though. But... <laughs> um, Hi, Jane. And, you know, yeah, so my sisters and I, we're all we're all very strong in in that respect you know we've always known if we do something you work hard at it and you do it well and even if you end up not enjoying it and, and changing what you do down the track you know just to just the hard work involved I suppose yeah. um you know and 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 in terms of influence I, I suppose I never thought of it until I had started working on the station um in terms of the animal aspect that I'm sure that influence would have come from dad. Dad's, you know, having grown up on the safari park and dad's always worked in the zoological industry. So, I mean, it's obviously a bit of a jump from the exotic animals that he's used to. to... Do you think he's ever like, oh, I had such bigger plans for her. Like she grew up with like giraffes and zebras and now she's gone to like domestic species. No, I think he's, I think he's pretty proud. I think the fact that one of us went into some sort of animal field. Well, I mean, there's some wild cattle sometimes. Sometimes, not really, but you know. Yeah. Um, yeah. Anyone, is there anyone well known that you're like a little bit of like a fangirl of, like whether it's a celebrity or an author or TED talk, like, is there anything, anyone out there that you're like, 
Oh, your answer should at least be Oprah. Come on. That's why they stand. Is it okay? Oh, Oprah then. Yeah. No, just kidding. But like, is there anybody? I'm just wondering. I'm curious. Um, I've never spoken to you about this stuff. No, I actually. Is there anybody? Is it bad that I? No, I no. can't think of anyone. So good. <laughs> is there anyone that you like follow on Insta that you're like, yeah, I love what they put out there? Um. follow quite a few people on Instagram. <laughs> there's, there's a few that, you know, they're, they're uplifting and I suppose you aspire to be a little bit stronger like them. I, there's no one in particular though, you know, yeah. it's just sort of more of a, yeah, I, I, I don't no, know. I they're... think that's good though if it's more of like a group of people. It's like the flavour of people because they say, you know, the five people you spend the most time, you're like, you are like the five people that you spend the most time with or whatever. So that I feel like that's also very that will translate into how you spend your time online. So if you're spending your time sort of engaging or following, you know, strong, um, empowered, motivational people, it's going to be a bit different than if you just mm. follow five million selfie accounts. I think it depends on um, where you're at in life as well. Like I, yeah. I, I, I find that depending on, you know, like at the moment I'm pregnant, so I'm obviously following – um, oh yeah, you know people on on Instagram. Gone to that, that dark are, side. That are, well, you know, like that are, you know, it's either mum based or so, yeah. you know, or, or pregnancy based or you know, what the hell am I going to do during labour based? Or, <laughs> <laughs> um, so I, I think probably it's a bit more. Um, I take that so specifically to what um, is happening in my life at that point in time. There's no, yeah, it, it chops and changes. Yeah, that's no. what I'm trying to say. It's just curious. I never really. Yeah, but no, I, I don't think I've got any. Which sounds awful. No, not at all. No, it <laughs> makes you sound so. It makes you sound like somebody who grew up without the social media age. Which I, you I was did. just about to say. I take. I probably take more influences from the people in my life rather than people who I don't really know that are. Ding 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 ding. <laughs> Is I that must... what you were trying to get me? No, to say? <laughs> no. But as soon as you said that, yeah. I was like, Ka-ching. but yeah. I must honestly. I must sound so judgy, particularly in this episode. I promise I don't have a thing against everybody or Instagram people. Like, I really don't. <laughs> Just trying to, like, devil's advocate. I like to poke the bear. Anyway, moving right along. Okay, so we've covered a lot in this episode and a lot of it. You're going to need to do some editing, I'm sure. <laughs> no, goodness, yeah. people know. If you're into ep- if I don't know what episode number this is going to be, but it's going to be somewhere in the 20s. So if people are that far into the podcast, they should know there's nothing <laughs> fancy going on here. Um, I think so much of what your life demonstrates and like the, the actions and the courses you've taken in your life, the paths, is it's just demonstrated this bright, like this braveness, like you're just willing to kind of step off that cliff and be like, like, you know, like that first time you left Adelaide and you're like, got to be something more and you just keep putting yourself out there and being so brave which makes me want to ask you what are you afraid of labor <laughs> <laughs> that's a cop out besides labor and being on the podcast because oh, i know you're afraid of yeah. that too um what am i afraid of oh it's a deep one that is a deep one um i don't know i guess falling flat on my face <laughs> and failing like, at everything like that I've oh. tried to accomplish in the last few years. Um, yeah. I don't know. Is there anything that keeps you up at night? 
I probably worry about stupid things more than I do big things, you know. <laughs> That's good, though. That's good. Um, I was just wondering, like, you just, I, you know, I suppose everyone has something they're afraid of, but um, and you've been so brave with so many big things in your life. Yeah. Well, I'd say failing would be a huge, huge one, you know, like a um, – how would you how would you define failing though? Like if you were like, oh, I failed at this station thing. What has to happen for that to mean that you failed? Well, I suppose the longer that I'm in station life, the 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 less I do feel that fear. Um, it was obviously a huge thing to start with because it was such a um, a, a big move in my life to have gone from where I was in Adelaide to out. In, you know, so it wasn't without, you know, it was a big leap of faith, but it wasn't without that fear that, you know, at first was that the right move for me, even though I was enjoying it as much as I was, you know, it's, is this going to be a total waste of time? Is it going to be, should I, I mean, look, there's always those doubts when you leave, um, leave your life behind I suppose that you know is it is it going to be worth what you're expecting it to be no Um, yeah no I'm feeling you but you know as time goes on the fear does diminish but I suppose there's always that little voice in the back of my head that says you know you are 34 where are you going to be in a few more years time (laughs) um I don't know with the love of your life and your child (laughs) exactly so it's really not that bad yeah (laughs) it's really not that bad (laughs) it's looking pretty dismal (laughs) (laughs) so what's next for you and Dave and little little baby oh I had an idea today driving around (laughs) so (laughs) so Dave's last name is leopard but it's not spelt leopard like the animal we don't say it leopard oh how do you say it leopard oh I say leopard don't say that to him (laughs) oh Dave I don't listen to this episode it's too late and I was just thinking because Dave loves emu exports he should you can be like emu leopard and the baby can have like two animal names oh my god I know that's what goes through my mind when I drive through town. Anyway, I was like, "Emu, Emu leopard, 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 leopard." Sounds so fancy. fancy. We're fancy people. You are. Come on. (laughs) Um, Yeah. What's what do you think? You know, what are your? So we're semi early in 2020. We're in March at the time of recording. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, What do you hope this year will bring? Well, hopefully a healthy baby yeah. for one. Um, yeah, I guess, I mean, it's going to be a, a huge learning curve um, just in that respect. Um, yeah, I think f- for me, I mean, it's, it's obviously going to be different for me because I'm not going to be doing what I was doing last year. It's going to be totally different having a baby out in a station, um, which obviously is not something I ever thought was going to be on the cards for me, asked me of that. Now you need a ball runner's you has really good aircon instead of like some busted old you. Well, we we've got aircon. Don't worry about that. We're just working on how to get the baby seat in there, <laughs> so and maybe some suspension so we don't get the kid whiplash. But um, <laughs> yeah, no. Um, oh look, it, it'll it'll be. I'm sure it'll won't be without its challenges, but um, you know, just working out how to to tie a baby into that life, you know, we'll, we'll get used to it. It'll just be a new way of doing things. So I feel like you're pretty crazy. You're just going to have to figure it out. Like it's not going to be a drama for you guys. Well, you kind of have to, don't you? You know, yeah. like I'm not going to be 
well, I, I hope I'm not going to be house-ridden and, you know, just barefoot and... <laughs> That's <laughs> probably, the kitchen, the kind that's of probably thing. some station um, mums listening to this, like, love, just oh, laughing and look, like, and oh, she knows. Nothing. Yeah, I know. I Look, <laughs> dreams, you can dream, can't you? Yeah. So. <laughs> we'll do an episode look, in, like, be, a year's time yeah, and see how it all turned let's out. Let's do that. <laughs> but if anybody can do it, I know you can because oh, you're look, just we'll so give it, we'll give cruisy it a, and, re- like, you know, I don't think you're going to get too stressed about it. We'll give it a red hot crack anyway. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay, so I'll let, I'll let you out of the podcast booth. <laughs> kind of a booth. It um, it's very professional, guys. It's <laughs> not a fort at all. It's not two dinas on top of our heads. We have a real studio. Anyway, um, I just feel like oh, I'm sure people have learned so much from listening to your episode. Um, sure or at the, <laughs> at the very least, had an entertaining yarn to listen to. <laughs> I've just made, you know. Anyway. Can you leave some parting advice for our listeners? Like, I just wonder what, if you could give advice to anybody, and not necessarily station people, but just anyone in life. It doesn't, it could be station related, it could just be life related. You know, like if you had a giant billboard in like New York City (laughs) or some city or somewhere that everyone had to drive past outside Samphire Roadhouse, what, and, and everyone in the world had to see that billboard. Like, what would you say on it? Like, what would you want people to t- just take one thing away in this life? Um, just so we can get really deep. Yeah, thanks in for the that, last Steph. Minute. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I thought I was done, but okay. <laughs> um, I don't know. I guess if you, oh, I don't know. I, if you're gonna do, if you're gonna do something in life, just do it well. Don't do it half-assed, you know. It, and if you don't want to be doing it, then don't do it. No, you can't say that. Yeah, no, I think <laughs> no, you, no, I think we need to edit that one out. No, I think that's really um, good. Do you know how many people are stuck in jobs that they're like are not, you know, not fully into or not enjoying, but they feel all these other pressures and they feel like they need to keep, you know, like so many people are stuck in that. I've been in that place before. Like I think, you know. Yeah, that's where I was as well. But you know, it's everyone has different circumstances. I yes. was able to pack up and, and run away if that's what yeah. We're not, we're <laughs> yeah. not saying go and quit your job tomorrow no, and no. go eat, pray, love in on a cattle station. But yeah, yeah. you can start taking baby um, steps towards yeah what what you actually think you need from life, I guess. And that you don't have to have it all figured out by the time you're in year twelve and you've done your TE and you yeah, have to pick no. your subjects for uni because yeah. This one just figured it out. Not even <laughs> like, well, you know, just try and something at twenty seven or twenty eight or twenty. I don't know. I'm well, thinking yeah. closer to. No, I, we're going to say twenty nine if you had your thirtieth birthday at Lau. For well, well, we, but you moved and to, I left. Yeah, yeah, I don't know. late twenties. We will have to get back to you. So all the time you know, you broke all the rules, and it's worked out pretty bloody well for you. It so. has worked out very well for me. Yeah. Oh, thanks for coming complain. on the pod. No worries. It wasn't that painful, was it? <laughs> I don't know. Ask how many people whose ears are bleeding right now. <laughs> I'm not taking that bit out. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, Katie. Oh dear. Charles Darwin University's Agricultural and Rural Operations team focuses on North Australian production and business systems, offering current real-world knowledge and experience by delivering both full qualifications and industry-required short courses. Courses at the rural campus are designed to develop the skills required for work on a North Australian beef cattle property 
or in the top-end ag industry, while providing a sound knowledge base in the pastoral and agricultural industries. They have dedicated staff who specialise in workplace training and assessment and recognition of prior learning. They will come to you and service some of the most remote areas in the Northern Territory. Find out more at cdu.edu.au.